Well, it is truly once in many lifetimes that there comes a being so enlightened, <laughs> so evolved, so pure, that the whole world is transformed. Well, we couldn't find anyone like that. <laughs> but we have that cross between Ram Das and Hagen Das. <laughs> chakra, chakra, chip. <laughs> this is a man who is truly deeper than Deepak <laughs> and roomier than Rumi. And so, without any further ado, let us welcome the biggest name in comedy. Beyond Ananda alone is 12 letters. <laughs> so let us welcome Swami Beyond Ananda. Swami, how we love you, how we love you. Ah, oh, dear old Swami. Hello, everybody. Oh, very good. It's great to be here. And guess what? We have no choice. Because no matter where we are, we're always here, and it is always now. So who would like to be in the now more? Up, oh, too late, already then. If you want to be in the now, you have to be very, very quick. But I predict that living in the now will be the wave of the future. And time itself will become a thing of the past. Did you know that the calendar's days are numbered? Now, I know this because I was a futurist in a past life. Because now I spend all of my time in the timeless now. I think they call that Alzheimer's. <laughs> now, it's great to be back at this wonderful uh, spiritual center. You know, I, I, yeah, give yourselves a hand for that. We need more centered spiritual living, and you people are doing it. Now, I do, I do so many talks in front of uh, church groups that people have asked me if I'm an ordained minister. Turns out I was a minister in a past life, so I'm preordained. <laughs> this is my kind of spiritual center, strictly non-dominational, right? <laughs> Now, uh, I love coming to Arizona because this is where I first got my sense of humor. <laughs> okay. No, seriously. Uh, you know, this is um, April is the month of Earth Day, right? And uh, this is a very, very important uh, issue to me because, as I've said before, if we lose the Earth, there goes the GDP, right? Uh, how many tree huggers do we have? Very good. Well, I came to Arizona earlier this month. I went to a, um, <clears throat> a hardcore tree hugger intensive uh, down in, uh, in Phoenix uh, where the saguaros. <laughs> Those, that is a hardcore, if you want to hug a saguaro, that is a hardcore tree hugger, I'm telling you. A lot of people get needled about it, but that's, no, you, I mean, you've got to hang out with the saguaro while well, you're definitely hanging out with them. So yes, and I've done a lot of things. This is my first tour, my first tour. You know, of course, three years ago, uh, everything was locked down. I don't like to use that term. I don't like to say locked down because that's kind of a downer, right? I am much more a positive. I, so I say we were not locked down, we were locked up, huh? 
Doesn't that feel better? Yes, <laughs> much better. And so I took this thing of social distancing very, very seriously. I figured if I'm going to be socially distanced, I'm going to go the distance. I've been putting off my trip around the galaxy. I went, uh, I took a, a journey throughout the solar system. It was magnificent. The rings of Saturn, the crack in Uranus, all of that. I saw everything. <laughs> you didn't see it because it's in the back. That's why. I went all the way to the center of the Milky Way. And you'll never guess what I found at the center of the Milky Way. Chewy nougat. <laughs> Who would know that? But anyway, so it's a very a powerful trip that I took. And then, of course, I came back here. And I've taken one other trip. Uh, 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 this is something I'm very happy about. Every year, I go to the Ascended Masters Golf Tournament. Any golfers with us? Well, I, I don't, I don't want to offend you, but I find watching golf is boring. To me, watching golf is like listening to bowling on the radio. But the Ascended Masters is a fabulous event. This year, Buddha got a wholeness and oneness. <laughs> and they held it in the Himalayas. And as you may know, in the Himalayas, there are these beings who are so spiritually evolved that they no longer need to eat food. They exist on breath alone. You know about this, right? Some bright entrepreneur up there in the Himalayas opened up the world's first breatharian restaurant. <laughs> now, of course, they don't serve any food, but the atmosphere is terrific. <laughs> so I went to this place. I had to check it out myself. I'm sitting there. I see three guys walking around. They have clothespins on their noses like this. They were fasting. <laughs> One of them, you won't believe this, he was so spiritually evolved, not only doesn't he eat food, he doesn't drink water either. His name is Pierre. <laughs> okay, that was time release. <laughs> Tomorrow you're going to laugh for no reason. But, <laughs> but it's wonderful to be on this tour. And, and, and to be here on this Easter Sunday, a time of renewal and reemergence from, from, uh, from the winter, from the, uh, perhaps a long winter, a three-year winter for many people. And now it's springtime. It's time to spring forward, to spring out, and to express ourselves in love and laughter. This is a wonderful time of year. And so on this tour, uh, I, my goal is to help bring people together from all sides. Now, we have been through a lot. Uh, a lot of people uh, have been so traumatized by the events of the last bunch of years that people are asking, is this the hand of God at work? Or just the middle finger, right? <laughs> you know, actually, I, you won't believe it. I met somebody who was, he was sad and disappointed because the rapture didn't happen a few years ago. I said, hey, don't be depressed. Cheer up. It's not the end of the world. But anyway, uh, but many people are, are uh, going to the book of Revelations about this thing, and you won't believe what it is. And you may have read this, but in the book of Revelations, uh, if you look at what, what is going to happen the, the, the last days, it's not that the last days are near. 
You could look it up, and it says, and the last trump shall blow. <laughs> we need to say no more about this, right? People have asked me uh, how I feel about that individual. I will say this. Behind every soulless heel, there is an unhealed soul. And so for you light workers, the job is not only to heal souls, but to resoul heals. <laughs> Love is the power that we're bringing, you know? We have a choice every day. Do we feed love or do we feed fear? And the good news is love is more powerful than fear. Otherwise, we'd be singing, all you need is fear. <laughs> she fears you, yeah, yeah. No, we're not singing that. We're not singing that. So part of the time is to unify around the love in our hearts, right? You know, in our heads, uh, belief systems, otherwise known as BS, that's what, that's what belief system is, BS. Uh, at a time where there a lot of belief systems are dominating, we need to focus on the unity and the love in the heart, right? In the mind, we have beliefs that are separating us. And what people believe is totally unbelievable. <laughs> so we need to leave the static of the head for the ecstatic of the heart, right? The more we expand our hearts, the less we're going to need to shrink our heads. <laughs> and we have, we, we, um, this is the cosmic comic paradox. The world is in serious condition, and yet there's definitely something funny going on. Hmm? We have a deeply divided body politic in this country. Half the people believe the system is broken. The other half believe that it's fixed. Uh, you're, la you're not laughing because it's not funny. <laughs> we have one political party that sold its soul to the devil. We have the other one that's just renting theirs. <laughs> we have been divided into red tribe Republicans, blue tribe Democrats, who spend all of their energy arguing about whether it's worse to kill the born or the unborn. Hmm? Meanwhile, the b Commonwealth has been hijacked by a very small percentage of the uncommonly wealthy and the bill has been sent to the not yet born. Hmm? So here is the solution. We need, to, we need to follow the Native American tradition in sitting in circles, right? We need to create a sacred circle, a sane and sacred circle to bring left and right, front and center, to face the music and dance together, to turn the funk into function and leave the junk at the junction. We need to bring red tribe and blue tribe together to talk and talk and talk until they're purple in the face. <laughs> because only by being together as one purple people will the peeps outnumber the perps. <laughs> now it has been predicted that a great uh, that a uh, that a great uh, shift will be taking place. And many people are asking, well, why is this shift happening to me? Well, shift happens, that's why. And, that's, and the shift has hit the fan, as you may. And even if you're not a fan of shifting, this is a great time for us to actually begin to connect our own spiritual practice with what is going on out in the world. That is called the great upwising, where we wake up and we wise up and we grow up and we show up on a new playing field, ready to play a new game, thrival for each and all. Hmm? 
So it is a very important time to have a, some kind of spiritual practice. Now, of course, people here, I'm sure many people here have practiced mindfulness. Anybody? Mindfulness. Very important in these times because we are inundated with so much information that we suffer from mindfulness. So we have to empty our mind through mindfulness. <laughs> Who would have figured? I, I, w I was on a week-long uh, silent retreat, and it was transformational. It was so quiet, you could hear an opinion drop. <laughs> I went to a great mindfulness teacher, and he told me that I will share the secrets with you to be mindful. Number one, the first thing you have to do to practice mindfulness and peace of mind, clear the mind of all thoughts. Number two, focus on the center of yourself. Hmm? And so I did this, and it worked. I am now thoughtless and self-centered. <laughs> Go figure. Today, I'm happy to say I have my power animal and spirit guide with me, Bullwinkle. And I'll tell you why. Because no matter what your problem is, if you channel Bullwinkle to tell people your problems, it sounds funnier. <laughs> so let's say you lost your job and you have no money. Channel Bullwinkle. They just lost my job and they have no money. <laughs> see, that's funnier, isn't it? So as you can see, I'm wearing my Musafix. This is a serious spiritual symbol. Jesus came to me in a dream. He asked me to wear this. I said, what does it mean? He says, it means, for Christ's sake, lighten up. <laughs> because the world is in serious condition, largely because of our conditioning to be serious. Hmm? Now, it's a spiritual practice. Uh, I am a fundamentalist with the accent on the fun. Not to be confused with the fundamentalist accent on the mental. <laughs> No, 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 no. As a, as a fundamentalist, I believe that life is a joke. But God is laughing with us, not at us. The creator is watching the comedy channel. We're what's on. <laughs> see, we fundamentalists believe. See, the, the fundamentalists say heaven is above us. Heaven is out there. The fundamentalists say heaven is where we make it. So why don't we go for heaven on earth just for the hell of it? <laughs> right? Because we're not here to earn God's love. We're here to spend it. <laughs> and that is really how we create heaven on earth, by starting there and expressing that heavenly view out there. Hmm? Laughter is a very, very powerful force. Has anybody, uh, yeah, but sometimes, let's face it, we forget to laugh. Has anybody ever gone a day without laughing? Irregular hilarity. <laughs> yes. You need a good laughative every day. Has anyone ever gone a week without laughing? Oh my God, you may be suffering from humoroids. <laughs> humoroids is an enlargement of the onus where you feel so much, <laughs> so much judgment that the only thing you're ever able to pass is heavy judgments. Okay, so very important to keep that laugh force going. We've all heard that laughter is healing, right? Maybe you heard the story about Norman Cousins. He was a writer uh, 50 years ago. 
he was diagnosed with a serious, a life-threatening illness that was so serious that I can't even pronounce it. And instead of going to the hospital, he went to a hotel room. And he watched Marx Brothers movies and other funny videos, and guess what happened? He got well. He got well. And when he did, the medical establishment decided they are going to study the healing power of laughter. And when they did, they discovered physiologically that laughter actually creates these hormones that are, are pain relief hormones, endorphins. Laughing improves immune function. Laughter lowers the blood pressure because when we laugh, it causes our blood vessels to dilate. Better than having them die early. <laughs> I'm a mind to die as late as possible, right? <laughs> Laughing burns calories. Did you know that? I have a new program. It's called Laugh Your Ass Off. <laughs> lose weight and lose weightiness at the same time. It's, it's very powerful. Very powerful. And so in living in these times, people have asked me, Swami, seriously, will there ever be peace on earth? And I have great news. There will be peace on earth. I certainly hope we humans are around to enjoy it, right? <laughs> yes. This is because, let's face it, we have had these divisions for such a long time that habitually we have had these practices. We have lived 5,000 years under the rule of the lowest common dominator. <laughs> and we have uh, abandoned until now the golden rule and we've been overruled by the rule of gold. The rule of gold is do to unto others before they can do to unto you. This, my friends, has left us with a lot of residue to metabolize. And so the existential question that faces us now, can we undo the doo-doo that has been done, or will the done doo-doo be our undoing? <laughs> and one of the secrets, and, and it was great, the morning talk today was fabulous, because it was about surrender. It was about surrender, surrendering the ego. How many people would like to release the grip of their ego? Very simple mantra, three-word mantra. Ego, egoing, egon. <laughs> There's even a, a quicker way, and that is to clear your mind with mental floss. <laughs> Back and forth twice a day, you'll prevent truth decay. <laughs> Four out of five transcendentists recommend it. And so part of releasing that grip of the ego is allowing ourselves to expand our, our, not just our consciousness, but our willingness to love and be with people who don't believe the same things that we do, right? Very important. We are unified at the heart. The heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. And if we focus on that, we will create heartland security, and we won't need homeland security. Right? So this is, this is part of that, that message of peace. And one of, the things, uh, one of the, the things that has really helped me and a lot of people to release all of that residue is to bless everything. Bless everything. You, know, you, you talked about gratitude. Bless everything. Driver cuts you off. Bless that driver. Bless you. Bless you, too. Go bless yourself. No, this is, really, this is really great. I tried it last week, 
and uh, it, it almost worked. The other driver actually gave me half of a peace sign. So, so <laughs> almost there. We're almost there. So this is it. We each have the opportunity to make that choice, whether we feed love or whether we feed fear. That is the choice that we have all of the time. Hmm? And so uh, one of the other things, one of the other things that I think is really, really important is to not accept things without questioning. Hmm? And so um, this is the part of the program where if you have an answerable question, I will have a questionable answer for you. <laughs> and uh, if there's something that's been puzzling you, ask the Swami, have it puzzled both of us, yes? Because I'm coming to this community, I, I, I generally know things, but I want to know what's on your mind, what's in your heart, is there something that you want to know? Ask the Swami, and by the way, don't be afraid to, to appear foolish. I have Bullwinkle hanging around my neck. <laughs> Questions? Oh, okay, well, people are channeling Marcel Marceau, that's okay. Yeah, this is good. Silence is really good. Uh, yes, a question. Beyond the Nanda. That's very good. Okay, what, why do I call myself Swami Beyond the Nanda? Well, Ananda means bliss. So the way to find me is you go to bliss, and about 400 yards past is Beyond the Nanda. That's where I live. <laughs> now, what is it that's beyond bliss? What is beyond bliss is oneness is knowing that we're all one with the same one. The universe has us surrounded, might as well surrender. Hmm? Now, people have asked me if I'm a real Swami. Absolutely, I pinched myself this morning and sure enough, I'm real. Thank you for that question. And by the way, I don't know if you know this, but Swami is one who has mastered themselves. And I, I got struck by enlightening during a brainstorm and what I realized is that nobody could possibly be a better me than I could. Self-realization. So there you have it, right? Think of it this way. Each of us is totally unique, just like everybody else. <laughs> and if we recognize that, you see, that's really the promise of, the, of, of our American Constitution. Unity without uniformity, right? That we're all part of the same the same oneness, and yet each of us gets to be an individual expression. And so we need to move beyond identity issues to the identical issues that we all face. Clean air, clean water, clean food, clean government, and bring both sides from both perspectives together to find the better solution. I know what you're thinking. Swami, you're proposing a sane world? You must be crazy. But I assure you, I assure you that little groups like this are creating a sane asylum <laughs> where sane and loving people can gather together to help heal the body politic by healing our own hearts. Okay, more questions. I have quite a few answers left. What was it? Where do I live now? Well, you know what? I, uh, I've been traveling all across the universe. Um, and uh, right now, we happen to live in California. 
uh, in, in the, Berkeley, the Berkeley Hills, the Berserkley Hills of California. Um, but we, uh, we are now emerging from our little cocoon and we're traveling all over the place so that we find these communities, these little pockets, uh, pockets of emergence of people who want to emerge and see out of the old emergency. Hmm? Yes. Who else? Yes, thank you. Do I do international travel? Oh, absolutely. I travel all across the world. We've done, we've done shows in many, many places. Um, what's one of our favorite places to do a show? You know, actually, um, we've been actually throughout the universe. We've done this universally. Um, we have been, let's see, where were we? We've been in France. Um, and of course, you know, comedy and humor is something that transcends language. When we were in France, we met somebody who was a translator, and even the, uh, but even though everybody likes to laugh, the hardest thing to translate is a joke, right? Because jokes are cultural, they're linguistic. So she told us a story. She was translating a speech at, at the uh, uh, East uh, European U Union, and uh, the speaker told the joke. She translated it. And everybody burst out laughing. The speaker was very impressed. He said, wow, how did you translate my joke? She said, oh, I just said, it's a joke, laughed. <laughs> See, it worked. See, that is the mantra of cosmic comic consciousness. When something happens that is not la life-threatening, but maybe laugh-threatening, hmm? Instead of doing tantrum yoga, that's a powerful technique. You use your anger to heat your home in the wintertime. Hmm? Tantrum yoga, you hold your breath until God gives you what you want. That is how Krishna turned blue, by the way. We all know that. But instead of doing ta tantrum yoga and taking it poisonally, right, the idea is to, something happens, say, it's a joke, laugh. It's a joke. Laugh. Find the joke hidden in the picture. And when people are able to do this, they're able to bring people together. One of my favorite stories, a true story, about the power of humor to transform, really change the world. During the Cuban Missile Crisis, now almost about 60 years ago, American and Soviet economists were meeting to discuss the possible trade between these two countries. When news of the missile crisis hit, everything stopped. Tremendous tension in the room because after all, these people, they didn't know if they're ever gonna see their families again. Very tense situation. And finally, one of the Russian delegates raises his hand and he says, I suggest we each go around and tell a joke. And he volunteered to start. His joke was, what's the difference between capitalism and communism? In capitalism, man exploits man. In communism, it's the other way around. <laughs> and everybody burst out laughing because what he did was he busted the entire mythology of any ism. I think we need to take those isms and turn them into wasms, if you know what I mean. And people laughed because the tension was released and the fundamental truth of unity was expressed. So sometimes that power of humor and laughter can bring people together 
above and beyond those divisions. Okay, who else? More questions? Yes. Bruce Lipton. Yeah, Bruce Lipton. Very good. Yes, yes. Bruce Lipton, the cellular biologist. Uh, there's a book out there called Spontaneous Evolution, Our Positive Future and a Way to Get There from Here. Now, what is a model for evolution? We have only to look as far as the cells in our body. We have 50 trillion cellular citizens here, and they all get along. You know, we have uh, uh, universal health care, full employment, no cell left behind. And you never, never read about the liver invading the pancreas, demanding the islets of Langerhans. You just don't hear that. So here is a symbol for unity and recognizing that in this evolutionary world that we are actually growing into, each of us is a cell in the body politic. We are each cells in this huge organism where we need to learn to cooperate rather than to fight each other. We need to get off the battlefield and onto a new playing field. And that is why uh, part of my mission, I'm calling it an evolutionary upwising, because in the old days, if you didn't like the system, there was a revolutionary uprising to overthrow the system. Now we need an evolutionary upwising to overgrow the system. And upwising is a four-step program guaranteed to work three times faster than 12-step. <laughs> Wake up, wise up, grow up, show up. Wake up to the illusion of separation. Politically, wake up to see that we've been hoodwinked by a bunch of winking hoods that have divided us into these two tribes so we spend all of our energy fighting each other rather than working together. We wise up. This is the upwising. We wise up to the common wisdom, the power of love and coherence, that we really are all cells in the same body. We grow up from children of God to adults of good, connecting the good and spreading goodness, right? And in this, uh, as we grow up and we become grown-ups, we become all that we can be without necessarily joining the army. We could. But we essentially be the best possible self that we can be. And finally, we show up on a new playing field, ready to play a new game, thrival for each and all. Now, there hasn't been that much good news recently, but I have some good news for you. Uh, we just returned from a conference in Austin, Texas, called Independent National Conference for people who recognize the two-party system as a two-party system, if you know what I mean. And they recognize that one of the things that is missing from government by the people is the people. You right? And so this is a group of young people who want to really create a new movement from the center. Not middle of the road, but middle of a new road where we are working together for what we want rather than battling each other about what we don't want. This is something that's happening. There are things that are happening. Uh, there's a book out there called The 12 Habits of Unity. And our slogan is, let's put the civil back in civilization and began to treat other people the way we want to be treated and use the opposing viewpoints not as, uh, as dueling dualities, but dynamic duo dance partners. So in that work with Bruce Lipton that you brought up, 
this positive future that we have is ours as a conscious evolution. We are aware. It's, an, it's not about artificial intelligence. It's about real intelligence so that we use the artificial intelligence wisely. So thank you for asking that. I saw another hand. <laughs> yes. Oh, what got me on my path? Well, I, uh, I was a seeker. How many seekers do we have? Well, as you know, there's a seeker born every minute <laughs> and two to take him along the path. <laughs> yeah, you like that one. Um, no, no, I tried so many spiritual paths, I was pathological. <laughs> I expanded my mind so much I couldn't fit through my door. Finally had to go to a shrink. Yeah, I was addicted to spirit. I was hitting the source pretty hard in those days. <laughs> and I got, uh, I, I looked in the mirror one day, and um, I just started laughing in my own face. And if you can laugh in your own face, you can laugh in the face of everything. This is called cosmic gamic consciousness, yes? And, uh, and so for, for all of that time, I have been practicing on this cosmic consciousness path and uh, and what's very powerful about this this path of humor is that everybody can learn it I'll give you a simple a simple lesson um, you ever wonder why jokes come in threes a minister a priest and a rabbi okay a minister a priest and a rabbi they are talking about their legacy how they want to be remembered what do they want the eulogists to be saying at their funeral well, the minister says, I want them to be saying that he was a family man and a pillar of his community. The priest said, I want them to be saying he was a, he was a holy man and a leader of his flock. The rabbi says, I want them to be seeing, saying, look, I think he's breathing. <laughs> so the power of a joke is to explode the this or that dueling duality and show a third way, and show a third way. So the first, in this case, the minister sets up the premise. The second, in this case, the priest reinforces the premise. And the third, in this case, the rabbi upsets the premise. And we laugh because we're delighted and surprised, like a little baby playing peekaboo. Brain scientist named Scott Weems wrote a book called Ha, When We Laugh and Why. And he said that we laugh because a joke is like solving a puzzle. We get this little dopamine hit when we go, aha, I, the, you, you are tricked into believing, you are tricked into listening to this joke and then the punchline reveals it all. Sometimes jokes can be very short. They don't need a punch. They, they don't need a, a, a second person. Henny Youngman. My wife and I were blissfully happy for 25 years. Then we met. <laughs> See, you're laughing because you're surprised. The mind is, wants to anticipate something like that, right? Right, the mind. But you're tricked. People ask me all kinds of questions. Sometimes people ask me questions about sexuality. I say, I was celibate for 14 years. But when I turned 15, I said, enough of that. 
So that's what humor does. It gives us a surprise, a delightful surprise. The mind loves being tricked. I read a book called Transit People Live, and it's a, by a psychologist who talks about how we go into a hypnotic trance. Um, and he said that the characteristics of a trance, number one, it's narrowed focus of attention. Number two, voluntary suspension of disbelief. And I went, oh my God, that's what a joke is. When you start hearing a joke, narrowed focus of attention, voluntary suspension of disbelief, meaning in a joke, anything can happen, right? So imagine this, you're, on a, you're in a crowded room, or you're on, let's say you're on a bus or a train, and your stop is coming up, and all of a sudden, you hear somebody begin to tell a joke. What happens? You go into a trance. You forget that your belly is aching because you're hungry. You forget the argument that you had with your coworker. Everything is focused, and you start listening to this joke that you haven't heard before. And the man is telling a joke. He says, uh, a representative from Purdue Chicken, one of the biggest chicken manufacturers in the world, has an audience with the Pope and says, I would like to make you an offer. If you change that prayer, give us this day our daily bread, to give us this day our daily chicken, I will donate a million dollars to the church. Now, this is me talking. This is what's called voluntary suspension of disbelief. In a joke, anything is possible. Oh yeah, sure, a guy can come up to the Pope and make that offer, right? And your stop is coming up, so you're hoping, you know the jokes come in threes, so you're hoping he gets to the third one. He makes a second offer, two million, no. Finally, he says, Purdue guy says to the Pope, my final offer, three million dollars. Next day, the Pope is addressing the College of Cardinals. He says, I've got good news and I've got bad news. The good news is we just got a $3 million donation. The bad news is we lost the Wonder Bread account. <laughs> and then boom, your stop comes, the joke is over, the trans has ended, you've laughed, you've laughed, and uh, you're, 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 um, you're back to what is called normal, right? So we don't like being normal. We don't like being normal. We like to commit random acts of comedy that harm no one. And uh, you can, anybody can do this. Um, I was walking in the hills. I've got the, you know, these hiking, these trekking poles, walking in the hills, yes. And there's a woman, she's coming the other way. She's got one pole. I go, oh, I see you're Polish. <laughs> I go, I'm bipolar. <laughs> <laughs> My friend, we're, we're on a hike. And he's, he sees a woman with a dog, and he says to her, a guy goes to a psychiatrist, he says, I th my problem is I think I'm a dog. Psychiatrist says, get off my couch. <laughs> Simple, silly jokes that can change people's lives in an instant like that, change their mood, and bump them up and bring a little piece of heaven on earth. Okay, more questions. I thought I saw some hands. Yes? Oh, don't make me start channeling. <laughs> How many Bullwinkle fans do we have? <laughs> I learned a lot from Bullwinkle. Bullwinkle. Uh, by the way, I've, uh, I've been learning about animal communication. Um, anybody practice animal communication? I now have mastered talking to the animals. 
Getting them to listen, that's the other piece. I haven't, haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> but Bullwinkle taught me to communicate with the mineral kingdom. He rock. <laughs> you know, Bullwinkle, uh, I got to know him fairly well uh, over the years. And, um, you know, sometimes there's unrealized ambitions, things that you've always wanted to do, but because of circumstance, not able to do it. Uh, he came up in the same era as Elvis Presley. He wanted to be a great rock star like Elvis Presley, never got the chance. So because I respect Bullwinkle so much, I'm going to channel Bullwinkle doing his favorite Elvis tune. Would you like to hear that? Well, since my baby left me, I found a new place to dwell. It's down on the lonely street, it's Heartbreak Hotel. Where they be so lonely, where they be so lonely, where they be so lonely, they could die. <laughs> yeah? Yeah, Bullwinkle very much appreciated that, but that's not all. Bullwinkle was also a huge Bob Dylan fan. Um, uh, you may not know this. Uh, uh, so now, I'm because we are a bit compressed for time, I am going to channel Bullwinkle channeling Elvis and Dylan at the same time. Are you ready for this? No, I don't think you are. <laughs> well, since my baby left me, I found a new place to dwell. It's down on the lonely streets, heartbreak hotel. Where they be so lonely, where they be so lonely, where they be so lonely, they could die. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. More questions. I know that there's something that you've been burning, that you've been aching to ask, something about the nature of life, something about your health, something about the past, the present, the future. Somebody has a question. Yes, thank you. What is the meaning of life? Are, are you talking about the serial or that old magazine? Which one? <laughs> now, believe it or not, I have heard that question before. And I am, I've heard that question so many times that I've asked myself, why do people ask that question? What do they really want to know? People really want to know, why is life so contrary? Why is it that bad things happen to good people? And I think I figured it out. God is dyslexic. <laughs> and you know, I, I actually take comfort in having an imperfect creator. I take comfort in that. It's like the old story about the priest and the monsignor who are playing golf, and the priest hits one into the woods. He goes, damn it, I missed. Monsignor says, Father, please, you're taking the Lord's name in vain. Priest is embarrassed, but he hits another bad shot. Damn it, I missed. It goes on until finally the priest is so embarrassed. He goes, if I ever say that again, may I be struck down. Well, they keep playing the priest hits one in the lake. He goes, damn it, I missed. And from the sky comes a thunderbolt that hits the Monsignor. <laughs> and there's a thundering voice from the sky. Damn it, I missed. <laughs> you know, that kind of, uh, that kind of goes with the, uh, with the creation theory that balances both science and, and religion. God created the universe for his sixth grade science project and got a C. 
we're, we're working with <laughs> okay a d <laughs> okay <laughs> but but the meaning of life it, it's like this people really want to know why do why is life so contrary and how what do we do about it life is like photography use the negative to develop Ooh, ah, too serious. Okay. Yes, you've got a question. I have very strong thoughts about extraterrestrials. I say we have way too many terrestrials. We don't need any extra. <laughs> How's that? Now, are there beings from other planets? Uh, how many people believe that we're being visited? I'm curious, always, by beings from other planets. How many people believe we're being experimented on? Anybody? <laughs> you know, I agree with you. I, uh, from what I've learned, uh, some of these beings from uh, other planets, they like to experiment on less evolved life forms. They're using us to test their cosmetics. <laughs> that, too. <laughs> that too. Okay. Yes. So who else? Yes. On true love. Oh, that's great. The opinion on true love. Well, I think that, that, first of all, true love is an inside job, isn't it? Right? So if you, if you truly love yourself, other people are going to look at you. They go, I'll have what they're having. I'll have what they're having. That's how you find your magical. That's how, if you're looking for a partner. Um, how many people are looking for their soulmate? Anybody? Okay. Here's a very simple thing. If you think some, you have found someone who might be your soulmate, Take off your shoes if your feet match your soulmates. <laughs> I guess not. No, look at it. No, you'll always be able to uh, put yourself in the other person's shoes <laughs> and start your relationship on equal footing. Yes, but no. I, but the, but this thing about true love that is really really important because it is an inside job that is radiating out. So that is what what true loving is, and. That is how we find our connections with other people, perhaps with a, with a special partner. Yes? That's what I got. I got very, very fortunate. I, I found, I found the, the perfect. Oh, oh, look, they're soulmates. We have soulmates sitting right up front. Okay. <laughs> but true love, love is everywhere. Love is, what, love is the field that we're in. And the real work. Uh, is to actually connect ourselves with that love that is already there. So that's true love. Did, did that satisfy your, your question? Okay, good. Okay, more questions. I have several answers left. <laughs> yes? Do I have different color? Do I have different color? What, wh what is the significance of this? Huh? Uh, I am turban-powered. This is my receiver for cosmic comic consciousness. And uh, we, we always want to have all of these, uh, these, these rainbow colors and so on because it brightens us up. It brightens us up, right? That's what enlightening is about. It's about enlightening up and bringing everything to light. I believe that the, the true purpose of human beings is to allow their light to fully shine. Uh, the enlightened ones call this fulfillment. <laughs> okay. Anybody, uh, any other questions about world situations and personal issues? Yes. 
What do I think? What do I think about Trump? Well, I, I don't think about Trump. <laughs> I don't think about Trump. What? <laughs> what do I feel about Trump? Well, you know, the thing, I said that earlier. You know, I, th I think that, first of all, part of the political, the new word to describe our politics, we have a, a situation. We have a political situation. And, and so, consequently, we have both sides dumping on one another and focusing only on what they hate about the other side. So um, you know, for progressives, they like, you know, they, they, things that they don't like, they lump with Trump. That's called Trump and lumpen. There's Trump and lumpen going on over there. We have to get beyond these characters and caricatures and ask ourselves, what is it that's really going to heal the body politic? And what's going to heal the body politic are people from different sides actually rehumanizing themselves in conversations with one another and learning how to listen. Yes. And yes. Yes. Oh, yes, he, he's definitely an outlier. In fact, he's outlied many, many presidents. Um, and he has pointed out the difference between himself, the outlier, and the inliers, the ones who are in government and are lying in a totally different way. The way that I knew that he was going to win the 2016 election was when he was on stage with Hillary Clinton, and he pointed to her and he said, that's how politicians speak. And so people are tired of that. They're tired of being treated uh, uh, as um, being programmed to, being projected to, and so he was a disruptor. But just because, but hey, just because the left is wrong doesn't mean the right is right. Okay, so what we need to do is we need to look at these polarities and our bipolar insanity and then go back in history and look at the political conditions that we're suffering from. Truth decay, irony deficiency, electile dysfunction, all of that. Okay, but, but yes, go ahead, yes. No, 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 you, there's no winning and losing. Uh, so can I say what I think you're saying? What I, what I think you're saying is that um, Donald Trump is outside the political system. And he is pointing out, as an outsider, he is pointing out all of the uh, manipulations and all of the lies that come in under the radar as our mainstream media. Okay? So I think we have to recognize that, um, that our mainstream media is a brainwashing machine stuck on spin. But there's a solution. If you don't like the current programming, turn off your TV and television instead. <laughs> I television to you and you television to me, and we have healing and functional visions to step into, and that beats what we've been stepping into. <laughs> yes? What is one of my greatest insights about Trump? What is one of my greatest insights? Um, I don't know. I'll ask Trudy. What, what is one of my greatest insights as a Swami? I haven't really cited very much in. <laughs> okay. Well, well, one of the greatest insights. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. Oh. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, I have to say that uh, throughout all of my work, I have uncovered the secret the one thing that will solve all of our problems instantly. 
Would you like to know, would you like to know what that is? Seriously, I have it right here, and here it is. This is a box of nothing, absolutely nothing. Whatever your problem is, nothing will help. <laughs> Did you know that nothing is known to cure baldness? Right? <laughs> nothing gets out those impossible stains. <laughs> nothing is completely safe to eat. Nothing lasts forever. Nothing beats sex. And of course, nothing is made in the US. <laughs> A woman came to me, she said, Swami, nothing satisfies my husband. I said, great, buy him a box. <laughs> Our slogan is, nothing is too good for your friends, but get it for them anyway. We believe in truth in packaging. There's a hole in the box so you can see exactly how much nothing you have left. <laughs> Up here, you got plenty of nothing. Down here, time to get more. We still have plenty of nothing. We just ran out of boxes. So, well, supplies last. So we've expanded. We've expanded to different domains. We now have uh, uh, Swami's um, uh, nothing meditation. Uh, Sounds of silence, <laughs> completely blank. No, we have the, uh, the purest silence from the highest peaks of the Himalayas, premeditated by a thousand Buddhist monks, and filtered through the finest sound filters. If you hear anything while listening to that, it's inside your own head. <laughs> We've expanded now. How many people have, um, have environmental allergies? Anybody with environmental allergies? We have come up. This is good news for you. We have come up with the first completely odorless perfume. <laughs> it's called nonsense. <laughs> Our slogan is, this makes no sense whatsoever. <laughs> Swami's box of nothing, nobody gives you less. <laughs> okay, well, it's on me. <laughs> Thank you. As we, uh, as, we are, um, as we are in these times of, uh, of great strife, <laughs> you can always tell the psychics in the audience they're laughing at the next joke. <laughs> Stay with us, please. <laughs> what comedian wouldn't want to find an audience who finds nothing funny? <laughs> yes. This is a laughing man. This is a. <laughs> I'm talking. Everybody's going to have regular hilarity after this. You know, there's a, a, to wrap to wrap this up, and it's been a wonder, wonderful, wonderful time. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but to wrap this up, on a serious note, hmm, to bring everything down, um, you know, there's so much strife in the world and so much war and so on. And, um, you know, I, I'm reminded of the story of this, this little man, 25 years in Jerusalem, goes to the Wailing Wall every day to pray for peace. 
every day. A quiet man, takes no, nobody knows him. But a reporter from the Jerusalem Post comes. She wants to interview him. And she sees him, he's kind of walking away from the wall one day. And she's, she says, excuse me. She wants to be respectful. Excuse me, I understand that every day for the past 25 years, you've come to the Wailing Wall to pray for peace. He goes, yes. She says, and you haven't missed a day. He goes, yes. She says, tell me, what is it like going every day to, and praying for peace like that? He says, like talking to a damn wall. So I have had this prayer in myself about peace in the Middle East and so on. And I travel on the higher planes. And uh, we know if they lose your baggage on the higher planes, that's good who wants baggage, right? Um, I'm sitting next to this guy. He looks really familiar. I say, you look really familiar. He says, yes, I'm George Gershwin. I go, George Gershwin, the composer. He says, yes. I said, wow, what are you doing now? He goes, decomposing. <laughs> but he had a great sense of humor. But he said, you know, I am concerned about the Israelis and the Palestinians. They're, they're like cousins. They're so related. And yet they can't seem to make peace to save their lives. And so he gave me a song for peace in the Middle East that I'll share with you. It goes like this. You say salam, and I say shalom. You throw the bomb, I blow up your home. Salam, shalom, we blow up our home. Let's call the old thing off. You say baraka, I say baruka. I spin the dreidel, you toke the hookah. Baruka, baraka, this warfare, it's kaka. Let's call the old thing off. And oh, if we call the old thing off, we'll all be right. And so, if we all are right, well, there's no need to fight. I eat the kasha, you eat the kibbe. We both dig falafel, but never pork ribby. To kasha, to kibbe, forget the pork ribby. At least there's one thing we agree on. Haven't we had enough? Let's call the old thing off. Oh, yeah. Let's call the old thing off. Uh-huh. Let's call the old thing off. That's all, folks. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Namaste. And namas go. Goodbye. And may the farce be with you. Thank you. <laughs>